Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, indeed. This is Raymond Mora here on Slam City. All by himself, apparently, Jeremy. Well, he's been busy lately. Hopefully, he returns. Mr. Mech as well. He's been busy. Gonna be here today. But we have a lot to discuss in today's world of sports. I mean, when you think about what's happening in the NBA and also NFL wildcard weekend this weekend, it's a lot we gotta talk about. But first things first, and I'm only going to say this because we definitely have to uh, talk a little bit about that as well, but I want to say my condolences to Ronda Rousey and her defeat. I get the man I knew was because that was pretty hard to watch. Um, I'm not, okay, I'm not saying like, you know, she's passed along, she's moved on, but it was, it's going to be a difficult loss for her to move on from because she's always been a dominant figure in, in UFC. Um, it's, it reminds me of the time of Rocky Three when he got all the fame and then he lost the fight and he lost everything because he was distracted. That's where she is right now. And also mentally, I think she's trying to do something that she can't do well, which is box her way into these fights and she's more of a grappler. Hopefully she tries to bounce, you know, Try to bounce back from this. Hopefully she does. If she doesn't, then it's going to be sad for a legend to, to move on from two, I would say, disappointing losses. But, um, you know, every fighter doesn't stay the same. I mean, she's getting older. She wants to do some movies. So we'll see what happens from there. <coughs> now, let's start off with the Knicks here, though. Because the Knicks right now, it's been very, very hard to watch. And I'm going to tell you why. You know, I see this Knicks team right now, earlier in the season. They were 14-10. and 10. Everything was going right their way. They were the third seed in the Eastern Conference. They had a chance to run away with it. But as the Knicks always do, they always find a way to mess up. So then they had a terrible loss against the Suns. Then they, of course, lose to the Warriors. I mean, they weren't going to win that game anyway. And that was also the day where Craig Sacred died, so a lot of people weren't really into the game as much. And then... They lose against the Nuggets. And let me tell you something. Carmelo Anthony, he's been disappointing to me. He's by far been the most disappointing Nick on the team. Because everybody's giving their all. Everybody's trying to win games. But here's the problem, though. They can't defend for their life. I mean, when they had that stretch for 14-10, of course they were winning games. But they also had to outscore these opponents. And they were giving up a lot of points. A lot of points. I mean, right now this team is not even good defensively but oh you can make the case that almost all the teams in the league have not been good defensively i mean the defensive efficiency has more than 100 points they give up on 100 possessions so it's not just the knicks but you gotta understand something here if you're gonna win games you gotta have to play defense and this is why they're 16 19 they go on a six game losing streak so they were 16 and 13 they were facing the celtics in christmas day they came back and it was tied 112 112 and then they try to double. They should have double team actually one of the three point specialists because they can't just double team the interior. Give it to Al for who's a good passer. Passes out to Marcus Smart, makes a three, and the game is over. Then the reason why I say the game was over because we know what's gonna happen. They're gonna give it to Carmelo Anthony. He's gonna miss a shot. He gets stolen, turnover, and the game was over from there. That's why I feel like this team right now is not in sync when it comes to, to defense. It's as if they're allergic to defense right now because they are the softest team in the league right now in terms of defense. They, I mean, they're soft as tissue. And the reason why I say that is because 
if if even an average person would probably score on this defense, that's how bad they are. Like they literally can't defend anybody on on a consistent basis. And if they do, it'll be a, a spurt, and then another spurt where they just play horrendous defense and leave wide open three point shooters. That's right, wide open three point shooters. You look at the games, Nick fans. You've seen them all. Every game is the same thing. Oh, let's start out hot in the first quarter. Be up by two. Oh, we're feeling good on ourselves. Second half. They drop the ball in the fourth quarter. They always drop the ball in the fourth quarter, and even the third quarter sometimes. They give up a lot of points. I mean, let's, let's look at the past games before. I mean, after, before tonight's game, of course, the Bucks they lost. They had a 14-point lead, and that was a disgraceful loss to me because you had a 14-point lead. You had a chance to step on their throat, which is a term that a lot of people use when it comes to basketball in terms of trying to get the lead over them and taking their soul away so they don't have confidence. They try to do that. And they couldn't. And that's why they lost that game. And then they left Anis Kanakotumbo, I hope I pronounced it right, Why? Well, pretty much a fadeaway shot over Lance Thomas. They could have double teamed with two seconds left. I would have double teamed actually earlier than that because this guy's not being a good passer. When you're that long, you're going to be prone to turnovers. You know why? Because you're not a good ball handler. He's not a good ball handler. He's a guy who just drives to the basket, tries to draw a foul, tries to dunk over you. He's a good shooter yet. So I'm surprised right now that the Knicks didn't do that in that game. Now, should they break this team up, though? <clears throat> See, that's the question. Because they're 16-19. You know, they're going on a little winning streak. They'll be back in the Eastern Conference standings. But it would be 7 for 6, maybe even 5th. Because right now, the Celtics looks like they have the third seed. And now it's only 4-8. to eight. So can they try to go on a winning streak to get back to the playoff hunt and maybe make a run out of it? It's tough to say right now because if you break it up right now, then that means you're telling me that you got to trade Carmelo Anthony, you got to let go of Derrick Rose at the end of the year, and you got to keep that horrendous contract of Joe Noah for the next three years. And that's not good. I mean, you may have Porzingis. Hopefully he stays healthy throughout his career and also this season. You have a lot of draft picks. I mean, these draft picks are um, you know, they're pretty useful, but the thing is the Knicks have been good at, at actually drafting players. I mean, they draft maybe B-plus players, but they need to draft a point guard for sure. They need to draft a small forward because Carmelo they ain't getting any younger. And they also need to figure out with their whole shooting guard position. You think Courtney Lee's going to stay there for the next four years with the Knicks? I mean, he's getting old too. I mean, he's an old 30. I believe he's around 30 years old. But they still got to draft a shooting guard. So they got to go young. But the thing is, should they break it up right now? <coughs> now, as a Knicks fan, that I've seen this team be inconsistent throughout the season, I have to say this. They should break it up if they get to a point where they can't even make a run, which means that if they lose tonight and they lose the next three games, then I think I'll have concern of them possibly training players. And I mean training Carmelo Anthony, sitting down with him. Phil Jackson needs to sit down with him and tell him, listen, we're not going anywhere. We're not going to go anywhere next year probably because we'll probably lose Derrick Rose. Unless you somehow sign Chris Paul, which is not going to happen. Unless you trade for John Wall, which is not, not going to happen either. Unless you try uh, Drew Holiday if he stays healthy. I mean, it's another injury-prone point guard. So you got to ask yourself, well, hopefully, Phil Jackson asks himself to Carmelo that if we don't go this way, we got to trade you to a contender, we get some draft picks, and we start rebuilding from there with Porzingis. But here's the problem right now, and this is what's causing the Knicks to actually be under downfall. The arrogance of Carmelo Anthony. Because every time Carmelo Anthony tries to be the best, tries to take the last shot, his arrogance takes over, and, and then he loses it. I mean, there was a play 
and against the Magics were, or against the Magic, where he pretty much called his own number. You know, and you see Jeff Hornacek in the video, and he showed a lot, actually, it's on the internet, uh, turn his back on him, pretty much in disgust that White's calling his own number, trying to call a play right now. Kyle, he tried to call a pick with Kyle Quinn, Kyle Quinn didn't want to go. So it's almost like around, I think, some dumb fadeaway shot that he always does. Misses it. Then it's a little complaint. Then they lose the game, of course, in the, against the Magic, which is a horrendous loss as well. So it's really falls on Carmelo Anthony because he even said a, a quote, <coughs> I believe it was either today or yesterday, saying that when we win, it's we. When we lose, it's me. I don't know if he's trying to rhyme. I don't know if he's trying to do something. But it's pretty obvious that we all know that when they lose, it's on him because he's a franchise player. He's supposed to be the leader, but in reality, he shouldn't be the leader. He's not that type of player. He wasn't always known to be the leading type of player when it comes to a contender. He's really just a scorer, and that's what he's best at. I feel like when you try to force somebody to be something that they can't, they somehow fail because that's not their personality. I don't think Mel is that type of guy where it's like, you do this, you do that, stay on this spot, listen to this destruction, listen to this play. He's just a guy who, I guess you could say lead by example, by scoring, but that's not his, you know, I would say quality of being a, a, a star on the team. They need to find a leader. Now, we don't know if Derrick Rose is that type of person either because he's a scorer as well. I guess you could say joking no because he is a defensive leader. I know he hasn't been healthy. He has been into form, though. He has been getting better, so maybe that's a sign of things to come. Porzingis, he's a young player. We don't even know if he's that type of guy to be a leader as well. Uh, Kyle Quinn, he's starting to speak a little bit more. I mean, I like his play off the bench. He's been doing well. Brandon Jennings, uh, that's an interesting person because he, he doesn't like to lose a lot. And you could tell him his frustration during games. Like, he just wants to win no matter what it takes, whether it's passing or scoring or doing whatever. But he also said today that we have to hold each other accountable because if we don't do that, we're going to lose games. It's good to have confrontation. I feel like everybody needs confrontation once in a while. Even even when your careers, like, let's say you, you do bad in your career, right? Or you're doing, you're doing bad, and the boss confronts you and saying, listen, you got to step up, okay? You got to do better in your job. And then you might get some people are a little sensitive to that. They try to back away from it because they think that they're doing their good job and they don't want to have criticism, constructive criticism. And I feel like that's what the Knicks need to have. They need to have constructive criticism. It can't just be Jeff Hornacek pretty much calling out the team every time they lose. And it can't be Mel saying this, the same old answers knowing that he has nothing else to say. I mean, the team has to be accountable with each other because if they don't, this season's going to be a runaway season. They might have to break it up. And, you know, it's pretty much uh, a wasted opportunity because this is an interesting team where all these pieces, they're good offensively, but they can't pretty much defend anybody. I mean, how much the blame, though, is it on Carmelo Anthony? I would say around 70 to 80% because he is the one who has all the money. He is the one who says, you know, I'm here to ride or die with the team. And you can see in most games, he wants to take every shot. But the problem is, he ain't the same player anymore. And for some reason, the old 32, because I've never seen an old 32 be tired so quick. Now, you could say he played in the Olympics, but that's his fault then. He should not play in the Olympics. He should just stay for the offseason, try to recuperate, be ready for the regular season. But he's not the type of player anymore where he can just take over a game. He needs to be a catch-and-shoot person. He needs to look at film of, uh, look at film of Ray Allen, because when Ray Allen was with the Boston Celtics, 
he didn't do what he used to do with the Milwaukee Bucks or Seattle Supersonics, where he was dribbling and he could create his own shot. He was pretty much a catch and shoot. That's all he did, and play of course a little bit of defense. Ray Allen wasn't known to be a good defender, but you know he played defense. But that's what Melo needs to do, and Melo's not even a great defender either. Right now, he he become from an average defender to a horrendous defender. Most of the time, he leaves his person wide open. I don't know what the heck he's doing most of the time. He's just in the paint thinking they're going to penetrate. I think their their problem is that they can't defend a three-point line, and that's what's causing people to score a lot of points on this team. They need to be able to defend a three-point line. And now everybody's got to say, well, it's Karamis' defense. Well, Karamis, he, he could do whatever he wants with this team, but the problem is it's the players. I don't think he has the personnel to play defense the way he wants to play defense. They even George Hornacek. He's the head coach. I don't think he has the personal personnel to play defense with him. And then you could also make the case, though, that maybe the team doesn't just gel together. And a lot of people, Robin Log with friends on Twitter, and a lot of ESPN analysis say that the MDPs didn't fit together, and that's why they're playing horrendous defense, but they can score. But the blame, like I said, 70-80% Carmelo. But can Chris Prosperzinger stay healthy this season? And I think he can. And he's one player that we need to look at because if he doesn't stay healthy, this would be a wasted opportunity for him and his career with the Knicks, but also for the season. I mean, here he's gonna come back today against the Bucks, and that's that's important. He needs to be able to get into the with the team, try to play defense at a high level, and he's actually a better elite uh, rim protector than he is the premier because he's seven three. I mean, you asking for seven three guard <laughs> these fast point guards, and he's not. That's not for his forte. You know, he needs to be able to defend the rim, and that's something that the foreign guys have to address come off the bench or start and have Joe Kinoa come off the bench and play at a higher pace because that's also one thing that, that they need Porzingis to play at a high level. But I think he can stay healthy. <clears throat> I think this Achilles injury, I think it's just something that set him back. I think he'll get back on it. Hopefully he gets into rhythm again with the team. But that's, that's going to be a question to be seen because if the Porzingis doesn't really do what he does best, which is stretch the floor, shoot threes, pass it around, post up. This next team ain't got to go anywhere. And the Nick fans aren't going to be happy. They don't want to see an old Melo take these contestant shots at 32. They don't want to see Derrick Rose drive to the basket, miss him. Some, most of the time he makes it with the floater, but he's also not dishing it out, which is causing the team to, you know, hold back because it's a stat where if he takes more than 15 attempts, they, they're like 1-12. in 12. So he needs to be maybe passing a little bit more. And you don't want to see Courtney Lee, who's also been injured this season, suddenly not make threes anymore and, and not lay it up. I mean, this team has to play as a team. I've always said this before, and, and I don't know if people don't believe this or not, but this team is a great team if they play together offensively and defensively. If they move the ball around, they're a great team. If they don't, they're just an average team with talent that think they could beat anybody on a given basis, and they think they're the Spurs, and they're not the Spurs. They have, may have talent, but they don't have the chemistry yet to be the Spurs. Same thing defensively. They got to work together. They got to communicate. They got to talk every time they're on the defensive ends. Call out screens. Make sure that, that people don't even call out the clock. Like if it's a shot clock, oh, eight seconds, six seconds, call it out. That way you could double team at the, at the third second mark. So somebody could have a horrendous pass, and then you could get a steal, and you could go on a fast break. These are like the common fundamentals that the Knicks need to figure out because if they don't figure this out, they're just going to get blown out every game, and you don't want that. But why is this team horrible on defense, though? That's the question. Well, they're horrible because, like we said before, they don't communicate. They're off position most of the time. And also, they just leave wide open three-point shooters. I mean, you've seen that Magic game where Aaron Gordon suddenly became the second coming, Larry Bird making these three-point shots? 
I mean, it was just crazy. And Jordy makes, my goodness. He looked like Ray Allen on the court making every three every time he catches the ball. And that's a, that's not a problem. They gotta defend the three point line. But has, this has been a problem since the Phil Jackson era. I mean, even the first two years, they couldn't defend the three point line. For some reason, they try to make people take three point shots, but that's backfired because we're in the league right now where everything is just three point shots. That's why there is no team in the league right now who's not giving up more than 100 points. Every team is giving up 100 points, at least. There isn't a team that, that that's giving up. 90 points or 95 points. That that time is over right now. And, and you can see it right now. That's why you see a lot of these players scoring 50 points easily. Because not just the rules, but the three-point shot. I mean, they're spreading out the court and just making shots. Jimmy Butler scored 52 uh, points uh, against the Hornets when they had that win. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, he did the same thing. He scored 50, 52 as well. James Harden scored 53 against the Knicks. I mean, you're seeing all these players have these scoring explosions because the rules and not hat-checking anymore. So, it's tough to say. I mean, the one thing I can tell you, though, is that the Knicks got to figure this out because will they ever be 500? I mean, look at the schedule next week. <coughs> and we can start with today's games, too. They face the Bucks today on ESPN. And hopefully they show up on national television because if they get blown out, there might be a chance they, they might not be in the national games anymore. So, they got to win this game. Then they face Indiana on Saturday. So it's a back-to-back. So you could pinch, pretty much uh, pencil in that if they don't win tonight, they're not going to win tomorrow because they're not a good back-to-back type of team. Then they face New Orleans at home on January 9th. Hopefully they win that. They had a break on January 8th. Then they face the Philadelphia 76ers on the road Wednesday. Then they face the Chicago Bulls at home on Thursday on another back-to-back. So these are games that they should have, they should win. But the problem is they're not a good back-to-back team. That's why they lost against the Magic. That's why they lost against the Bucks, and that's why they're on this losing streak right now. Now, not only because the presence of Porzingis is, is missing, and they definitely need him offensive defensively, but this team just doesn't have the stamina to win these games, to win on the back-to-back game because they gotta somehow beat the Bucks. They're not a good team, the Bucks. Look, they can't shoot the three point shot at all. They're they're just a team that drives you and tries to posterize you and play their inside presence. So they gotta figure it out uh the Bucks team and contest on every shot. That's why this Indiana game also on Saturday is important because the Indiana Pacers are trying to enter form right now. It looks like they're winning games. They're trying to get back on that you know, slow start to the season. So they gotta somehow win against that game. And of course, New Orleans, you got playing at home. You should be able to win. For those sisters, you have to win. Sixers are not great at all. You have to win. And the Bulls, you gotta find a win as well. So it's gonna be very, very interesting. But you you look at the stats of the big three for the Knicks, because you know, everybody has a big three in right now. I mean you have LeBron, Irving, and Love in the Cavaliers uniform. You have the Warriors, you've got big four, but you can still think big three. Curry's Thompson and Durant, Drake Gong Green's the playmaker. Um, pretty much, uh, I would say Celtics, Isaiah Thomas, Holford. Uh, I guess you can say maybe Crowder when he's healthy. You know, I think that's a three for them, for the Celtics. Uh, Hornets don't really have a big three, just play together as a team. Uh, the Pacers, you know, Paul George, Jeff Teague. You could say Miles Turner is going to form because of Jefferson. But, you know, pretty much everybody's a big three. But look at coming out these stats. He's averaging 22 points, 6 rebounds, and 2.9 assists. 42%. Eh, you know. I, I wish that percentage went up to 45, 46. I mean, he should be able to shoot that percentage with this team, with this stacked team, and not take these tough shots. 
they have Derrick Rose, 17.6 points, 4 rebounds, and 4.4 assists, shooting 44%. Should be a little bit better. I mean, you're driving to the basket most of the time. You should be able to draw fouls. You should be shooting around 50% Rose. Come on. Then you have Chris Dash Porzingis, 20 points, 7.9 rebounds, 1.3 assists, shooting 45%. Should be a little better at the percentage, at least in the 55 Porzingis. I know you're shooting a lot of threes, but you also got to be able to take on your mismatches in the post and try to get hook shots and fadeaways and drop step shots because you're 7'3". Even though you're not strong enough, you're still long enough to shoot over them. So this team, pretty much the big three, I would say, they probably combine around 60 points a game together, which means the other 40 or 50 points that they need is from the bench and the supporting cast. But the problem is, like we said, it's not about the scoring. It's about their defense. Can this big three, who are good scorers, can they play defense as well? Porzingis, we know, can play defense. He's a good elite rim protector. He's not really a premier defender. We know Melo can't play defense for his life because for some reason he's suddenly become 42 years old and a 32-year-old body. And then Derrick Rose, I think he's trying to save himself because he knows he's trying to go over a screen. He might get another injury and then get sent him back again with these back spasms. It looks like he's back normal because he's just dunking at will on people. So, it's, it's tough to say. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's disappointing. And, and, you know, Nick fans can say, well, you know, 16-19. Season's probably over. I mean, they lose today. We can't say that, though. There's a lot of games left. Look, it, this is the pretty much going to be, uh, listen, this is 16-19, so they play 35 games. It's going to be the 36th game of the, of the year, right? So, what's 82 minus 36? Well, if I did it on the top of my head, I would say they have 40, 46 games left of the season. So if they lose today, then they're 16-20. So they have 46 games left of the season. Can you tell me if they go in those 46 games, 30 and 16, they're in the playoffs? I would say, yeah, I would say they're in the playoffs. Because they'll be, if they go 30 and 16, so that means they have 36 losses, and they have 46 wins. So if they go 46 and 36 during the playoffs, then that should be good enough for them to be a fifth seed or a fourth seed. They need home, home court advantage. That's all I know. Because this is a good team, team, team that can win on at home. I don't think they, they can win on the road. They go on the road, they get blown out. I don't know why. I don't know if it's their tire. I don't know if it's the, the energy of their team or the crowd being an influence on them, but they, they just get blown out. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I know one thing. The Knicks want to be a contender. They're going to have to play defense. And whatever it's giving up 100 points only or 98 or whatever, they got to play defense because they ain't going anywhere, with that, even with an offense that can score pretty much 105 points a game at least. They got to figure this out. And they got to figure it out soon or rather than later because if they don't, it's over. Break up the team and we just got to build up our Porzingis. So, you know, we talk about the Knicks, but let, let's move the conversation now to more of the MVP favorites this year for the NBA season. Now, we had a good matchup last night between James Harden and West, Russell Westbrook. Rockets won. Russell Westbrook had 49 points, career high, eight threes he made. I mean, that's impressive, but he only had five assists. Uh, I thought he should be passing the ball a little bit more, especially when it was a tie game and they had a chance to do something. But they won. Uh, the Rockets won, of course. Uh, the Thunder... No, you know, twenty one and sixteen, the Rockets are twenty eight and uh I would say nine. So they're they're right there actually. They're probably being the second best record in the Western Conference. I mean, I don't know if they could catch the Warriors. They probably catch the Spurs though, but interesting to see James Harden because he's having an interesting season right now. 
Uh, he's averaging 28 points, 8.2 rebounds, and 11.9 assists, shooting 44%. I mean, those are almost triple-double numbers if you have more rebounds, but I think you can say right now that he's probably the front-runner because of the record of the team, but you cannot, you cannot argue, though, that Russell Westbrook should be in this conversation because he is averaging 30.9 points a game, 10.5 rebounds, and 10.5 assists. He's having triple-double, basically, and shooting 42%. <coughs> now, you have a Thunder team right now. It's pretty much Westbrook or bust because without Westbrook, they're not going anywhere. They're probably a lottery team. Probably be able to win some games, but they ain't going anywhere without Westbrook. He's their leader. He's the energy uh, bunny, as they will call it, the energizer on the court. He's not scared of anybody. He'll take on anybody. Pretty much a combination of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Uh, he just needs to improve his shot, but uh, you know he won't. He won't stop. And, and you can't make a case between these two players. They were on, on OKC a few years ago with Durant, who also moved on to another team. And and it's just kind of weird to say if all three of them were together, would they be better than Golden State? Would they be better than even the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron's team or Miami Heat? I think with the chemistry that they were building, I think you can say that they would have been better. Because James Harden would be a playmaker and Westbrook would have been scoring. Westbrook would have been a playmaker as well. Durant, all I do is just score and rebound and do some assists as well. But, you know, they all went to different ways. And then you also look at the other players that are in the MVP conversation. Like Kevin Durant, 25.8 points, 8.6 rebounds, and 4.6 assists, shooting 53%. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's you should expect that because he's on a talented team. I think the field goal percentage, I think it's pretty high. Probably going to be around that for the rest of the year, maybe around 55 Probably when it's all said and done. All LeBron James stats, he had 25.8 points, 7.8 rebounds, and 8.5 assists. I mean, the assists have been high because he's been passing a lot this year compared to recent years. Uh, he's been shooting uh, pretty well as well, you know, 51%. I mean, that's what we expect from LeBron James. He always cares about his field goal percentage a lot. So you look at these four players. <coughs> they also got Kawhi Leonard, who's having a great season as well. And I will say this. I think right now, like I said, James Harden because they have pretty much the top record. You could make a case for LeBron, but LeBron's always been in the conversation of MVP every year of his stats. And also you can say that because Cavaliers are pretty much 0-4 when LeBron is not in the game or not with the team that they need him because people talk about, well, well actually one of my friends said that Kyrie Ring's the best point guard in the game, and I'm saying that's laughable because without LeBron, he ain't nothing. And we've we seen that. I mean, without LeBron, Kyrie Irving can score all he wants, but he's not going to be that player where where he gives that attention because he's getting double team. He doesn't score like 40, 50 points. He could do that, but well, LeBron makes everything easier. LeBron is pretty much a Shaq for that team, and Kyrie Irving is pretty much a Kobe. I mean, this is LeBron. This is pretty much Shaq and Kobe all over again. It's just two unstoppable players when they work together. They're unstoppable. Now, Irving ain't like Kobe because Kobe can defend, actually. I mean, when Shaq was out, Kobe stepped up. And he, he took over the game because his defense and, and, and his presence alone is added to a winning to win no matter what it takes. But you don't see that from Irving. He's a scorer. He can, he can make difficult shots. We've seen that. And he's not really a, he's an average defender at best. So, But it matches the MVP conversation. Like I said before, I, I believe that James Harden is the MVP right now. You can make the case for Russell Westbrook. You can make the case for uh, Durant. You can make the case for James or Kawhi Leonard. You can make a case for all these players. But what does MVP really stand for? Most viable player, of course. But what does it really stand for? Is it the player who's have the most impact on the team by itself without his presence? Because if it is just that, 
then you can make the case that Russell Westbrook should be winning it. And you can make the case that LeBron James should be winning it. Because LeBron, like we said, without LeBron and the Cavaliers, they, they're, they're not a good team. I mean, they could win games. They, they should be a contender without him. But some, the, uh, for some reason, when LeBron's not there, they, they just stink. And then for Russell Westbrook, we said before, there are a lot of team about Westbrook. He pretty much carries them in scoring and rebounding and assists. So you can make the case that both of them, or one of them, should have been the MVP this year if that comes to that point. But as of right now, it's probably James Harden. We haven't even mentioned Stephen Curry because, you know, he's having a good season, but he's taking a second feed to Kevin Durant. I think that's uh, – I think he doesn't care. I think he just wants to win championship rings. He doesn't care about MVPs. He's winning one, too. I mean, if he won a third one, you can make a conversation with him with LeBron and the competition between both of them. It's still going to go on. If they meet in the finals, it'll be interesting to see Curry versus LeBron again. Skinny point guard, physical freak in LeBron. It's almost like uh, Shaq and Steve Nash type of thing. But, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting. I still think James Harden, though, spite of the MVP, though. And when it's all said and done, I believe that the Rockets will try to get out of the first round. They should, but maybe they won't. But they should get to the Western Conference Finals, face the Warriors. Just, it'll be interesting matchup with shooting because if they do stay at the third seed and the Warriors stay at the first seed and they beat somehow beat the Spurs in the second round and Warriors win of course whoever's the fourth seed whether it's the Thunder which would be interesting whether it's the uh, Clippers they try to get back up and Chris Ball and uh, you know Blake Griffin get back healthy that would be interesting the Warriors and the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals and then we'll see from there who really is a true MVP is it James Harden is it, is it uh, Durant Maybe is uh, Russell Westbrook going to be somehow wills his team to a, to a fourth seed? Is it Kawhi Leonard if he stays in the second seed, or is it going to be LeBron James once again because they're the first seed right now? Although they might be slipping because they care about staying healthy and and not having and being injury free. I mean, Irving has a hamstring injury. Kevin Love, you know what he is. He could be injury prone at any given moment. And LeBron James, LeBron James, you know maybe he'll get cramped up one game and miss maybe a half, but. As of right now, I will say, though, James Harris is probably my MVP right now. And then we'll see what, how as the season progresses. Man, we talked so much about the NBA season that we forgot one important thing. And that's NFL wildcard weekend that starts this weekend. Duh. I know I said it twice weekend, but I'm just going to state the obvious. So this is an important week, probably the most underrated week weekend of the year. And we have some interesting matchups here. You know, you have Oakland, Texans, you know, the quarterbacks. <laughs> There's no quarterbacks right now. This is what I be a defensive battle for that game. Then you have Detroit, Seattle. Of course, you have Miami and Pittsburgh. It's going to be interesting as well. But the matchup of the game is – matchup of the weekend, excuse me, is the Giants and the Packers. But before we get to all these matchups, I want to give you guys a little bit of what I had to call – Raymond's rankings of the quarterbacks for the, for the NFL wildcard weekend. Not the postseason itself. Wildcard weekend. And, you know, we've got to do this again next week as well, hopefully, on the postseason quarterbacks for the next round and then the next round. And then, of course, the Super Bowl when we get to that point. But <coughs> let's start off with the rankings for this weekend for our starting quarterbacks. Number eight, Connor Cook. Now, of course, he's number eight because we don't know nothing about him. This is his first career start and his first postseason start 
I mean, do we really expect him to line it up against the Texans? That would be a shocker if that happens. Mm-hmm. Though the Bears have a talented team, they might have to around the running game more to, you know, make sure he doesn't make any mistakes. So that's going to be interesting to see if Jack Dorio makes Connor Cook at least a game manager and trying to win this game and go into New England and probably get blown out there. But, of course, number seven, Brock Osweiler. Now, Brock Osweiler has a lot to do this year, uh, this season. He's been benched already, so he has a lot of patience in this game to play well at home against the Raiders. He has a good defense. He has a good running game. He has talented receivers. Make it work, Brock, okay? You, you, you have a talented roster. If you don't win this weekend, you might as well say this is probably your last time you'll be a starting quarterback in the NFL because no one wants to see a guy who's been paid that much money pretty much fail miserably in the postseason. You got to step up, man. This is your only chance. Even your own head coach believes in you. So hopefully you step up, bring the challenge, go into Foxborough, try to make that a game, but try to win this game first. Number six. Matt Moore. Now, we could have had Ryan Tannehill probably five or four, but we had to put Matt Moore number six because he is starting. He's had pretty much good success with the Dolphins. You can make the case he's probably the best backup quarterback in the NFL right now. <coughs> you can also make the case that the team's actually better offensively with Matt Moore based on the games that he's played. But this is going to be another tough task because he is going on the road in Pittsburgh. Against Ben Robertsburg in that offense, and the defense is suspect. I mean, they could show up one game, and then in one game they could be blown out because the defense just can't stop anybody. But Matt Moore, yeah, he's, he's basically number six in my list. Number five, Matthew Stafford. <coughs> this is a, a very important game for him, probably the most important game of his career because the Detroit Lions have an eight-game losing streak in the postseason. They haven't even won one yet. Um, he's gotten close last, uh, let's say, a few years ago against the Cowboys. Should have won that game because they had a call that should have been going their way, but they didn't. Uh, a few years ago, they, they lost with the Saints in a shootout. That was a good game, statistically for Matthew Stafford, but, yeah, they lost game in the shootout. So this is the time where maybe they can pull an upset in Seattle against an offensive line that's been inconsistent for, you know, Russell Wilson, a defense who's lost Earl and Michael Thomas. So, you know, they they Seattle is not the same team. Defensively, they're not the same team. And they should try to take advantage of that, Matthew Stafford, and the game plan he has. So it'll be interesting to see what Matthew Stafford does. Number four, Russell Wilson. Now, he's number four on this list because he's won a Super Bowl. He's made big plays in the postseason. You know, in games where he had a couple interceptions, three or four, he made big plays. So you got to carry the Seattle team. I mean, this weekend he has to figure out a way to beat the Detroit Lions. Now, the Detroit Lions, you know, they're not exactly a great defensive team, but they're good enough where they can stop make stops. So, Russell Wilson's got to figure out with that horrendous offensive line and inconsistent running game. And receivers, who, who the only person he trusts is probably Doug Baldwin, but everybody else, uh, Jimmy Graham, it's your time to shine. This is, your, this is the postseason. You know, you've been in postseason before. This is now the time for you to make big plays for Russell Wilson and try to advance to the next round. Number three, Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger has won two Super Bowls. None of them are Super Bowl MVPs, though. But he has a talented roster. You have Le'Veon Bell. You have Antonio Brown. 
you have Mike Tomlin as head coach. Make it happen, okay? This is probably your chance to, to do something in the postseason, to actually get to the AFC Championship, making competitive against uh, Tom Brady, hoping that if you do beat Tom Brady, you get to the Super Bowl, and maybe you meet up with Eli Manning in the draft class and see who's the better quarterback out of that draft class. Because that will be an interesting matchup to see Manning and Roethlisberger meet up in the Super Bowl and figure out who's really the better quarterback out of that draft class. So he's number three on the list. Number two. I mean, you can go either way, two and three of this, but for me, it's Eli Manning. I mean, he is the clutchest quarterback in postseason history. He has two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs. Now, he may be inconsistent in the regular season, but when it's the postseason, I mean, he's on another level. This is a different type of quarterback. I mean, Joe Flacco, even when he's in the postseason, not on another level. Maybe not be in the regular season, but when it comes to the postseason, Manning, you can't. I mean, this is a guy you don't want to face. Now, maybe people say he's older now, and he may not be the same as he was a few years ago, five years ago, I would say, and also when he won in 07. But I, I don't want to face Manning in the postseason. I mean, the guy's made big plays, and for, he's the toughest quarterback in the NFL. He's the most durable quarterback in the NFL right now. So you got to watch out with him, especially going to Lambeau Field where he's won two, not one, but two games. One against Flower, one against Rodgers. And if it'll be a third one against Rodgers, maybe it'll be the third time he gets the Super Bowl and wins it because it could be in that class of Joe Montana, in my opinion, if he wins the third Super Bowl, becomes 3-0, and and anything is possible. Number one has to be Aaron Rodgers because he is by far the most talented quarterback out of the group. He is very elusive. He's accurate. His arm is strong. I mean, he can really do it from his wrist, but he does footwork in his arm, so he gets accurate throws. But he's also the hottest quarterback in the league right now. You cannot stop this offense right now for the Packers. John Stevens has got to step up big time. But, like I said before, Rodgers is the hard, the hottest quarterback in the league right now. And he also the hardest person to defend against. I mean, talking about a guy who's, who's been a two-time MVP, who was won a Super Bowl and when he was a wild card. And now this year, if they do beat the Giants, I'm telling you, if they beat the Cowboys as well, and whoever stands in their way, you mean you can make the case maybe if they beat the Cowboys and Seattle wins that you may be Seattle and Packers again rematch in the MC Championship. That'll be interesting to see. But if he does get up there, you're gonna see Rogers step up, probably get to the Super Bowl, maybe win his second one against uh, the Patriots. But as of you know, this weekend he's number one on my list. <coughs> so we ranked all the starting quarterbacks for this weekend. And now it's time to see these matchups right now. now. It's a little, pretty much a little quick take because we don't have that much time here. But we have Oakland and Houston. What are you going to expect from this matchup? Well, a couple of things. It's going to be a defensive battle. You're not going to see a lot of quarterback play. I mean, these are two quarterbacks who have been inconsistent. I mean, it's probably the worst matchup of the weekend. But it's still going to be, it's still a playoff game. A lot of people are going to watch it. So, Oakland, I would say, probably has... A slight edge only because of their their talented offense, but the Texans, you, you can't take away their defense. I mean, they they're, they're playing at a high level right now as well. One of the top defenses in the league as it's always been. So, key points for Oakland: don't turn over the football, run the ball well, make some big plays. Hopefully, you can score points on that Texans defense. And for the for Texans, play defense at a high level. Don't turn over the football, like I said before, 
and just make sure that you makes this a low scoring game and not a high scoring game because if it's a high scoring game the Texans aren't gonna win this game but I got Oakland winning this on the road in a tight game probably by a field goal I would say uh, around 10-7 uh, so it'll be really that tight and the five advance to box four and probably get blown out then in the next matchup you got Detroit Lions and the Seattle Seahawks I mean listen people are gonna say well Seattle's probably gonna win this easily and the Detroit Lions ain't good I disagree with that I think this is gonna be pretty much a competitive game because you, you have a, a Detroit team that when they get hot they're, they're good and they're offensively good Matthew Stafford has had probably one of his best years ever without Calvin Johnson I mean the defense is, is solid enough I mean they're facing a Seattle team with, with injuries I mean the offensive line ain't the same for, for the Seahawks the defense ain't the same as well but they got the heart they got the experience they got the passion you got Richard Sherman out there. I mean, so I, I will say this: if, if the Lions are gonna win this game, it's gotta be a high-scoring game because I don't think Russell Wilson can keep up with the stats. And um, I will say that if Stafford can make big plays in Seattle, then they're gonna advance. If he doesn't, they're gonna lose, and it might be a blowout or it might be a close game. But for for me, I got Seattle. They're playing at home. It's hard to win, uh, uh, you know, uh, at home. It's very hard to win. I would say on the road, I'm saying. Maybe excuse me for that. I mean, it's hard to win on the road. So the Lions is going to be tough for them to go in Seattle and try to, to pull an upset. So I got Seattle winning it 24-17, I would say. I, I give the Lions a chance to score some points on that defense. But if I think Russell Wilson is going to figure it out, and they're probably going to win this game. Then you got Miami and Pittsburgh. <coughs> Miami and Pittsburgh. Hmm. Last time I checked, Miami ran over the Steelers, and it was pretty much a blowout. And that time, Steelers team wasn't that great. Miami was was rolling. They're winning games. They had no Tannehill this time, though. They had Matt Moore. They have a running game, and they have a defense that can that can at least try to stop. Hopefully, that offense, but. That's going to be tough. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger at home, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, this is, this is, this is a team that, that's, I think, getting hot at the right time. And they've gone over all those injuries. Now they're in the postseason. Roethlisberger has the experience. Bell, he is what he is. Best running back in the game, probably. Best all-around running back in the game. you got a top-two wide receiver in Antonio Brown. What else can can go wrong for the Steelers? Their defense. That's what's gonna stop them. Their average defense. And if the Dolphins try to exploit it, it's gonna be a shootout. But if it's a shootout, I still take the Steelers in this game. And I believe the Steelers I think will win this game and I think they're gonna advance. And then Ben Fosbury could have a chance to, to win in the divisional round against whoever whoever comes out of it. And then hopefully he can face the Patriots. Maybe right, the Patriots are in the divisional round. But either way though, Steelers I got them in this chance. I mean I got them in this uh game. And they're gonna win it, and we'll see what happens from there. But the matchup of the game of the weekend: the Packers, the Giants, history, Eli Manning, two of them in Lambeau, Aaron Rodgers. Can he break that hurdle? Can he beat a Giants defense, probably the toughest one in, in the postseason, knowing that everybody else is is pretty much an average defense? If he gets over them. He may be able to get to the Super Bowl, face Brady or Roethlisberger for a second time. But 
This is probably the time where Manning steps up. He might have to take out a buck out of his brother and try to, I would say, you know, let the defense do his job, manage the game, just make sure he don't make any mistakes. He might be able to do that. But if he's not and he's able to make plays, then I think the Giants can pull the upset here. I would say they, they have to score a lot of points. Maybe the offense will start clicking against the average defense. I mean, if you look at the, the, the defenses the Giants are facing, I mean, they ain't great defenses. I mean, they pretty much have a top defense. And Patriots, if they, they get to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, they have an average defense too. I mean, they may be good. They're, they're, they're uh, sneaky and making turnovers. But the Giants, if they somehow put up points against that Packers defense and the defense of the Giants contains Rodgers, I, I'd have them a good chance of them winning this game. So I say it's going to be a field goal type of game. I think it's going to be high score. I think it might be high scoring, though. 23-20, I got the Giants winning that game. And then the advance, and maybe they'll face the Cowboys in the division round, unless the Lions somehow upset the Seattle, and line, they face the Lions and Cowboys in the division round, and then the Giants got to face possibly, uh, you know, the Falcons in the next round. But it'll be interesting to see. But I got the Giants winning over uh, the Packers. But I won't be shocked, though, the Packers somehow pull Pull this win in advance. So those are my picks. Uh, you know, it's to be an interesting weekend. To be a lot of uh, crying from teams that that, that lose. To be a lot of teams that are gonna be. Uh, I mean, a lot of fans are gonna be happy, and when they at their team advances. But that's the whole thing about the postseason. It brings out emotion. It brings out passion, and uh, it's fun entertainment for the NFL. And to see if, if this weekend we're going to learn a, a lot of things about these teams and which team we will see that has a chance to get into the Super Bowl from the NFC and the AFC. And which chance of pulling even upsets in the next round against the first or second seed. And that's all, folks, for today's show on Slam City. You can subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes. Follow the Slam City Facebook page. Follow me at Morris10 and at Jeremy. Uh, EPS that's his uh, Twitter account and of course the big Dunk360 website at the Dunk360 because there can only be one see you next week